Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. We are in the final days of February, leading into the exciting days of March when the new NFL league year begins and there's all sorts of activity, trades, signings, cuts, contract extensions, tags. We'll get to all that and more on this and future podcasts. But today we'll be joined by the former left fielder, of the New York Mets, current ESPN analyst, former NFL quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, Tim Tebow, as he talks about leaving baseball and football and the upcoming quarterback class of 2021. And what a week we are coming off of. When we last signed off, Carson Wentz had not yet been traded from Philadelphia to Indianapolis. And here's what people have to understand about that situation. It's amazing to me, but Carson Wentz was Deshaun Watson 2.0, only getting far less attention. Carson Wentz was as done with Philadelphia as Deshaun Watson is with Houston. Now, Wentz got his wish and peacefully got his way out of Philadelphia, which he had wanted this offseason and really since the end of last season, I think, and got to go to a place where he believes He will be in the best position to thrive. He'll be working once again with Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, who pushed for this trade as much as anybody else in the Colts organization. And if Frank Reich were not the coach in Indianapolis, I don't think the Colts would have traded for Carson Wentz. And it's really fascinating to think of all the major storylines that have hit and shaken Indianapolis over the last few years all leading up to this particular storyline, right? Andrew Luck retires, leaving a gap at the quarterback position that Jacoby Brissett initially tried to fill. Then Phillip Rivers filled last season before he retired. And now Carson Wentz steps in. And Carson Wentz steps in because Frank Reich is there. And Frank Reich is there because Josh McDaniels walked away from the agreement he had with the Colts to become the head coach. So if Luck stays... If Josh McDaniels takes the job, the trade of last week of Carson Wentz to Indianapolis doesn't happen. And now the Colts believe they have their quarterback to build around. They believe they have him on a friendly contract. What wasn't a friendly contract for the Eagles becomes a friendly contract for the Colts, especially if Frank Wright can get Carson Wentz to perform back to that MVP level. And the Eagles, meanwhile, are left in a position where Jalen Hurts becomes the starting quarterback, but it's not as if they're ready to just hand the job to him and walk away. I think they're going to continue to look. And it won't surprise me if, at the appropriate time, the Eagles make a push for Deshaun Watson, the Texans quarterback. Then again, leading into our next topic, every team is going to make a push for Deshaun Watson. Every time I read a headline, oh, Team X, like the Dolphins, is interested in Deshaun Watson, I laugh. And I just say, let's spare the suspense, let's stop the drama, and let's just put the headline out there right now. Any team with a quarterback question is interested in Deshaun Watson. The Bears are interested in Deshaun Watson. The Broncos are interested in Deshaun Watson. The Saints are interested in Deshaun Watson. Any team that needs a quarterback, is interested in Deshaun Watson. Every team at the appropriate time will make a call 
to see if they will be the one that can put together a package that can entice the Texans to move off their current stance of not even listening to teams to trade Deshaun Watson. And again, to this point, they have not budged. They're not returning teams' calls. They're not listening to offers. They're not telling anybody that they'll trade Deshaun Watson. But guess what? Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play for the Texans ever again, ever again. And this is where it's going to get interesting. And let me look into the future a little bit for you, because this is how football works, where in basketball, a lot of times these players yield power. And we're seeing some of the power in football shift to the players. And here's what I think could happen and where the Texans could be at risk, right? Deshaun Watson is represented by an agency called Athletes First. And in this particular case, it's going to be Athletes First and Texans Last. So what that means is this. If the Texans don't do right by Deshaun Watson, Texans last for Athletes First, for any client they have. I think that that's what it'll come down to in the end. They'll say, you don't want to accommodate us? We're not going to accommodate you. And if you ask me, the team needs the agency more than the agency needs the team. The agency doesn't have to do business with the Texans. They cross them off their list. There's 31 other teams that'll be interested in all their free agents, and they've got a lot of them. And so this is a tactic that I think other agencies have used. I think it's a tactic, it wouldn't surprise me, that is deployed here. But the Texans have a problem, and I've said it all along. They're going to have to pick the best of the worst case scenarios. You either trade a great young quarterback or you deal with all the ramifications of not trading him. Neither is good. Neither is what the Texans general manager, Nick Casario, wanted nor expected when he took the GM job with the Texans. But here they are in that spot. And again, the standoff is on. Texans not budging. Watson not budging. We are almost two months to the NFL draft, and we will see how that story unfolds. All right. Without further ado, let's bring in our next guest, a man who's won the Heisman Trophy, a man who is a first-round draft pick, a man who went on to start a baseball career, a man who works as college football analyst at ESPN, a man who has a distinction of something else that I'll get to in this interview, which you'll be amazed about, my colleague, my friend, Tim Tebow. But before we get into today's episode with Tim Tebow, I want to quickly tell you about another ESPN podcast, the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney, which is back Monday through Friday. Be sure to check out his episode with Dr. Anthony Fauci on the feasibility of having a full baseball season and what he would tell players about being vaccinated. Buster also speaks to World Series winning manager Dave Roberts and his counterpart in the other dugout, Rays manager Kevin Cash. Listen to Baseball Tonight as well as the Adam Schefter podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now, without further ado, Tim Tebow. Tim. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Sorry, I was just, uh, we got a, a, a big big day here today. We actually got us our, our Night to Shine um, uh, churches and coordinators call. So we have been working all day and coordinating it. And we got it here just a little bit with over uh, 700 different locations and over um, 700 pastors, 700 coordinators in over 38 countries. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's what I was just saying. Hey, can we, can we do it next week? Well, 
It's, now uh, I feel but, now I feel bad that I'm taking your time. I'm not gonna take too much. You're good, no problem. We're we're all good. So it's just uh, we and, got a great team that's that's putting it all together. So it's just like it's like a for us. It's our post night to shine call. So night to shines our worldwide worldwide problems for yep. people with special needs, and um and so afterwards we get all the different locations, churches, coordinators, pastors, and um and then we talk. They share stories, share what's happening. You know. Um, you know, some of the amazing God stories from all over the world, from, you know, here in the States, to uh, um, Burundi or Uganda, Africa, to Sierra Leone, to all over the place. So it's just a real cool, you know, uplifting call for so many people and uh, to sh- share amazing stories. And so it's fun to be able to facilitate that and help share and encourage as well. So how long have you done that for, Tim? This past, this, um, Past uh, February twelfth, uh, which was where when Night to Shine was was hosted, was our seventh year of it. What is the ultimate purpose of Night to Shine? To celebrate every single person uh, with special needs, and every single one of them is crowned as a king or a queen of the prom, and they're able to go down red carpets and be celebrated, have big paparazzi, karaoke, and 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 uh, really, what we want is the biggest party in their town, their village, their city to be for them because. Adam, me and you know what it's like to be celebrated, but most people with special needs around the world have no idea what it's like to be celebrated. And I'll tell you um, some of my favorite stories um, in the seven years we've been doing this um, have been the the changing of mindsets. It's been the changing of uh, perception. It's been the changing of value. Um, Last year we had in a, in a country, we had a, uh, a family that, um, they would never let um, their kids who had special needs out of the house because they thought they brought shame to their family. So they had kept their kids inside for over a decade, never once being allowed to go outside. But when they um, found out, they heard about Night to Shine, and it was bringing honor um, in celebrating their kids um, for the first time in over a decade. They let their, And their kids are grown, by the way, full grown adults. Um, they left their kids out of the house because it was the first time they believed in their life that their kids brought honor to their family. So it's um, to us, we call it a worldwide movement to celebrate all people, especially those with special needs. And um, and we want, um, well, I'll have to send you the video, the, our, our, our year in video after this. Well, what made you want to do Night to Sean? What inspired that, Tim? When I was 15, I met a boy in the Philippines that was born with his feet on backwards and he was looked as cursed as less than as insignificant. He was actually um, kind of known as a throwaway. Um, And um, I just knew that he wasn't a throwaway to me and he wasn't a throwaway to God. And I fell in love with him. And I knew that day that I loved sports and I was passionate about football and baseball and basketball, but none of those could compare to the passion that I um, felt for him and uh for the compassion that i felt for him and um, that i knew that he was created wonderfully by a perfect creator and i just wanted to tell him how awesome and 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 amazing he was and and i knew leaving that day driving down that mountain leaving that village that i had a new mission and calling in life and that was to be able to to fight for people like that boy and god didn't make me strong just so that i could you know run a football or or try to score some touchdowns, but so I could um, lift up other people and um, and so that they know that they're special and they're loved and they're valued. And what does it make you feel like to lift up these other people like that? Like I'm fulfilling what I'm supposed to do in life. Um, 
tell you, I think sometimes we use those words like purpose and calling and we, and, and we just kind of, they're like taglines that we, we just throw around. But for me, um, when I am, um, living out what I, I feel like I'm called to do with the TMTO foundation with night to shine or our hospital, or, um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, rescuing these girls from trafficking or it's our orphanages or whenever I'm doing that, it's, I, it's hard to explain Adam. I just would say, I feel like, um, this is why I'm here. And, and every time I feel reconfirmed over and over, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is what you're supposed to be doing because even as hard or as, um, is maybe up and down frustrating as it can be sometimes when you have, um, you know, some of this, you know, you, you know, we, we have, um, people that we serve and love that pass away quite often. Right. So it can be hard and it can be disappointing, but even in the hard times, you never feel like you lose that purpose or that calling, you know, it's hard, but it's, it's almost reconfirmed over and over and over again. And I remember, you know, it's like, Hey, well, you know, how do you know what you're supposed to do? And now people ask me at all time. And then I say, first of all, I have no idea, but have your eyes ever been open to a need or a problem? And have you ever um, stepped into that need? And because most of the time, if your eyes have been open to a problem and your heart wants to help and you step in, then maybe that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And that's how I feel every single time. But it also gets reconfirmed over and over and over again. So that gives you a tremendous sense of purpose, and yet you work as an analyst at ESPN. Does that just help give a platform to the Tim Tebow Foundation and Night to Shine and things like that? What you do at ESPN can't give you nearly as much fulfillment and does not provide as much significance as all of this, right, Tim? Well, um, Adam, you're you're exactly right, but um, it does give me um, a chance to um, still be involved in a, in a game I love and. And it also gives me, and I'm very grateful to ESPN, is I um, went, not this year because we were doing it virtually um, yep. from our home, but um, every other year, almost every week, we have a wish kid that comes to the set of SEC Nation and um, that, you know, ESPN helps me treat them like royalty because to me they are. Um, and uh, so it gives a, not only a platform and something that I love, um, don't tell ESPN, but I might yeah. even do it for free. I like it so much, you know, <laughs> um, because uh, you know me, I love, I love ball. I love talking about it. It's fun. Um, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's in a season where I can really, um, you know, focus on that on the weekends, but still do everything else that I'm called to do during, feel called to do during the weeks. Um, and, um, and still have the, you know, the rest of the year to, you know, file over and, and get to different countries. And so it's a really fun balance because, um, you know, unlike you, I don't have to be on TV every single day. Well, I, I don't have to be on TV every single day. And I should let the listeners know, and this is the interesting part. I had reached out to you this week. I figured, boy, we could touch on the fact that you just walked away from your baseball career your expectations for Urban Meyer, the great class of college quarterbacks coming up. And you said, you're very busy this week. Can we do it next week? And I said, well, actually, I've got a couple of guests next week. Is there any way you could do it this week? Not having any idea that you were as busy as you were with Night to Shine. So I feel doubly stupid, Tim, just to be perfectly frank. Not at all, my friend. Not at all. You're so good. I feel so I, good. the reason I feel I could, because I asked you to do it this week when I when I didn't even realize how much you had going on. And number two, I thought we were going in a direction 
that pales in comparison to the significant work that you're doing for all these people who need you and your help in their life. And that's why you're Tim Tebow. <laughs> I think we, I think we all need people in our life to, um, you know, to help and support at times. I can tell you, you've been um, so supportive and kind to me over all the years that we've been friends, man, when I've asked for your advice over the years or even shoot before I even got drafted all those times when, um, I would be at D1 or we'd see each other all over the place and I'd get your advice on something. So I know that you not only do a great job at what you do, but you also have a super kind heart that, that you make a difference. And, and sometimes I don't even know if you realize it. So well, I want you, know, you to know that. It's going to go back at you. And I was going to save this for the end, but I'm going to tell it to you now. Do you realize that I've done this job for over 30 years? And in the 30 years that I've done this job. And I've lo I love my job, Tim. I really do. And I've been blessed and so fortunate to uh, be able to cross paths and pick the minds of some of the most brilliant people in sport and some of the most successful people in sport. And I could never have imagined this. But in the 30 plus years that I've done this, there was only one person, one player who ever, ever sent me a holiday card. And that was you. And I actually have it hanging <laughs> I have it hanging on my corkboard where I'm sitting right now. And I can read this to you, Tim. You might not even remember. You will not remember sending this. But it says, Dear Adam, a warm and friendly wish for a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for all you do. I'm looking forward to a long relationship. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and yours, Tim Tebow, 15. The only <laughs> holiday card I've ever gotten in 30 plus years from an NFL player. Now, I don't need those cards for validation, but I think that that just goes to show the type of thoughtful individual that you are. And again, I brought you on here to talk about some other things and you bring to me Night to Shine and the Tim Tebow Foundation and all the work that's going on there. And I was going to share that holiday card story with you because to me, it typified the type of individual you are, but actually the work that you described is a much better example, but altogether, now people have an idea of why Tim Tebow is Tim Tebow and why we love you so much. Oh, man, I appreciate that. And um, I'm sorry, I should have sent you more. That's my fault, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm insulted that I never got more of them through the years, but that's okay, Tim. You already distinguish yourself beyond any other player, right? Uh, before I let you go, and I, I want to thank you for the time and for you allowing me to steal you away. I did want to ask you some of those other things. What was it? Yeah. What, was, what is the difference in walking away from baseball compared to walking away from football? Wow. A good question. This is, you're always the, the best at formulating great questions, Adam. I, I would say um, both are difficult. Neither one. Um, do you feel um, like um, it's, oh, this is a hundred to zero. No, it's like 51, 49 you know, hard uh, because you're passionate. You, you love the sports. I still love them. I love baseball. I love football. I love it. You know, I'm also passionate about everything else I shared, um, passionate about being a husband now. And so there's just, um, I, I think that was one of the things I always tried to share after I made the, the move to baseball was just because I'm going to play baseball doesn't mean I don't love football. Doesn't mean I, I, I necessarily even love one more. I say, you know, if, if you, you care, you can care about multiple things and, and still want to play and shoot. There's a piece of me that I'd love to be singing the bat right now, but also um, a piece that's excited about um, 
just everything we're doing and, and also the opportunities that are in front of me now. Hmm. What about your former college coach, Urban Meyer? And what are you expecting from him in Jacksonville? I think that, um, I think coach is going to do a really good job. I think, um, there are a lot of things that translate a few things that don't, but I think the things, uh, the areas in which he will, um, have to learn, I think he's already doing that. I think he's, um, one of the things that he does such a great job of is coaches and player evaluation. And he's, I think he's evaluated so many different coaches and he's hired a great staff that's going to help him in the areas of where he's um, learning and growing because he's in the NFL for the first time. And I think, you know, just look at all of his players and how many have played in the NFL. He knows how to evaluate talent and who he wants and, and, and what he wants. And also the thing, Adam, I think it's important to mention is Urban, in my opinion, the, his best quality is he's a leader of men and he's a believer of men and he makes them believe in themselves and believe in, in that they can accomplish something special. And I think that's going to carry and that's going to translate. Um, and I think, you know, like, while in the NFL, there's not as much, there's not the same rah rah and maybe as much of the fiery speeches, but I still think there's, um, Urban will do an incredible job of, at rallying and motivating and getting everybody on one page, pulling on the rope at the same time. And I think, um, you know, he's going to, I just know he's going to turn over every stone to be able to do that because he's such a, an incredibly hard worker and he's dedicated and he's, um, he's very passionate. He's got his family support, which was vital for him. And um, I know they're excited about um, all being back in Florida and Miss Shelley loves the sunshine. So she's she pumped about it. And, you know, I think he'll do a great job. Being that he's so close by to you, I guess, right. Will you see him regularly, be able to talk to him more regularly, have any more of a relationship I'll with him be, now? I'll, I'll be honest. We, we've always kind of talked pretty regularly. Um, even when he's been uh, far off in Ohio, you know, he's on the the board of of foundation. He's heavily involved. Um, He was helping us raise money um, this fall to um, rescue girls out of trafficking. Um, You know, he's, um, so we talk, um, you know, quite often. I'm excited about this opportunity for him, um, for his family, for his his daughters, for his son, Nate, Miss Shelley. Um, I think they're really excited as a family. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to be living too far from me. So I, I know we'll have good neighbors. And I just wonder if he's going to actually cut his yard or not. <laughs> is he not going to cut his yard? Is that, that going to be an issue in his neighborhood? Oh, there's no chance. First of all, you, you know that he is not cutting his yard. He's definitely <laughs> going to have um, – well, actually, Miss Shelley's the one that keeps – all of it tip top shape because if it was on on coach you know he's not going to think about that <laughs> for you know two years well that, that's how it is sometimes with men that are as occupied with their jobs as he is right <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> that is very true I mean, my wife would say the same thing about me with a lot of things that go on around the house she's the house manager and and i try to support her in any way that i can but she runs the house and she runs things like oh, our yard work would not get done without her it is the same way with, with, with coach and Miss Shelley is, you know, coach might run it on the field, but <laughs> anything that's outside of that, Miss Shelley's running life after that. <laughs> How do you and think? You ma- yeah. At it too. yeah. How do you think the marriage will work out between Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence? I'm sure you studied Trevor quite a bit. How do you see that taking shape? 
Well, I, I think they, they have to, you know, pull the trigger and make that happen. Um, I think that Trevor um, brings so much to the table. I think he's um, not only is he a, a great athlete that has um, an incredible skill set, but he's also a very mature young man that has been in a lot of big moments. And I think that really helps. Um, I think that helps with the pressure. Um, I think coming, um, you know, having the chance to possibly come to a place in Jacksonville that will be super excited to have him um, and, and, and really um, kind of, I, I guess, as a city, bring him in with open arms. I think that'll be really probably encouraging for a young quarterback. I think he'll um, ha- have the chance to, um, you know, if he gets teamed up with Urban, you know, one of the things I love about Urban is he's not going to put someone in a position where, you know, he's going to put them in a position to where their strengths can flourish. He's always done that, and I believe he'll always do that because that's a philosophy he lives by, and I think that really helps the young quarterback. Um, but I also think that Trevor is he's a, he's a really great young man. He's um, I think he'll he'll be a leader at a very young age in an NFL locker room. He'll be able to step in there and um, and and have respect because all these guys have also watched him play and they know the talent. But they also I think they'll get to know the young man and. Um, for as little as I've been around him, I know a lot of people that are very close with him that he, he's also a very impressive young man. I think that is going to really help because at the next level, um, it's, you know, it's, um, it's a business, but you also want to play with people that inspire you. And I think he'll inspire a lot of people around him. He is an impressive guy like you. And you know, the, the thing that I think about with you, Tim, is back in 2010, when the Broncos made you the 25th overall pick, in the first round of the NFL draft, you were brought on to help replace Jay Cutler, who basically didn't want to play in Denver anymore. There's going to be somebody, perhaps, who is in that position in Houston if the Texans do decide to trade Deshaun Watson, even though they haven't budged on that. If they go that route, and if there is another guy that steps in there, what would that experience be like for that particular quarterback, whoever it is, being that you went through that in Denver back in 2010 and 11? Well, Adam, that's a really, a really good question. I think so much de- depends. It depends on, um, you know, the 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 organization. It depends on the leadership of the team. It depends on, you know, who do they get? Is do they draft a um, uh, someone in the draft? Do they, you know, get a free agent? Do they, you know, trade for somebody else? Mm-hmm. I think um, always when you when you're coming under someone that is so talented and good, like a Jay Cutler or like a Deshaun Watson. Um, I think the the first thing that a young quarterback, especially a, a rookie, wants to do is just kind of walk in there and not say much, but just work really hard to earn uh, the teammates' respect, especially the veterans. And I think that'll be really key, if, especially if they draft someone. Hmm. And before I let you go, Tim, what other good is left in this world for you? What other big goals do we have, being that you've already done so much good in this world and you all, I know you will do so much more in this world? Um, you know, I, I think the, um, most important thing that anyone can do is change another life for the better. And I would say one of my biggest goals is to be able to try to have an impact or ministry, uh, one day, maybe in every country in the world would be, I know it's a huge goal, but you know what? I also believe we have a big God. And so I'd love to be able to get to every country in the world, um, to be able to try to make a difference there. That would be my goal. 
Well, you've already made a big difference. I know you will continue to make a huge difference. I apologize for taking you away for the night to shine preparations in my selfish way. You're, perfect. You're good, brother. You're good. No problem. And Tim, I appreciate you so much. And thank you very much for the time. Good luck with the night to shine. Good luck with the Tim Tebow Foundation. We will be in touch. And I can't thank you enough. Absolutely. Appreciate you so much, Adam. Thanks for everything, man. We'll look forward to talking soon, okay? Thank you, my friend. Take care. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. And there is the great Tim Tebow, truly a classy man. He has always been that way. He always will be that way. We are big Tim Tebow fans. We are big Tim Tebow fans here at the Adam Schefter Podcast. And I want also to point out to you that we are taping this podcast on Wednesday, February 24th. And yesterday, I was scrolling through Twitter, and I happened to see a reporter, if I could call him that, named Andrew Mason, who used to work with the Denver Broncos, tweet this. On this date in 2004... Broncos fans awoke to some stunning news broken by Adam Schefter that Denver and Washington were quote unquote closing in on a blockbuster deal, close quotes, that would send Clinton Portis to DC and Champ Bailey and a draft pick to the Broncos. And Andrew was kind enough to include a story that ran in the Denver Post, which I guess is still online, as well as pictures of Champ Bailey. And that posting brought back a flood of memories. And it brought back a flood of memories because it's relevant today because we're about to enter into a period where there are going to be more trades. But to get a trade at this time of the year is a little unusual, but it tells you what teams are thinking. And as I thought of that story, which ran 17 years ago this week, 17 years, amazing, I recognized how much I didn't know at the time of reporting that story, which at that time was one of the bigger stories that I'd ever been involved in, that I'd ever covered. And I remember spending days, if not weeks on it. And the great part about it is when it ran in the Denver Post, I happened to be around the former Broncos running backs coach, who's now the current 49ers running backs coach, Bobby Turner, great man, knows running back talent better than anybody. And he picked up the paper when he saw it and he held it up to me and shook it. And he said, 
where do you come up with garbage like this? And I said, Bobby, it's true. It's happening. And he said, come on. Well, 24 hours later, the trade was agreed to. And the trade that he called garbage, which he did, uh, had been agreed to with Clinton Portis, who was a great young running back being sent to D.C. And like I said, I think back on what that story taught me and how much I didn't know. And the only way I could equate it is that I think it would be the equivalent of a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback winning a game in the NFL, playing 17 years in the league, like this story ran 17 years ago, and looking back at the video of one of his first wins and saying, wow, there was so much I didn't know back then. And even when I read the news story and I look at the way that that was constructed, my mind thinks differently now and thinks in a certain way that was very different than the way that news story was constructed. And like I said, I remember chasing that story all during the combine. I got back from the combine. I got the final confirmation I needed. I could tell it was coming. I knew it was coming. And boom, there it was, the trade, which at that point was a blockbuster. And it was the 17-year anniversary of that story this week. So that story really um, helped me personally grow up as a reporter. I wasn't even working on TV. I saw somebody tweet, that story made Adam Schefter's career. No, that would be inaccurate. No story makes anybody's career. People make their careers, not stories. But that story was an incredible learning experience. And I look back on it and realize how much I've learned since then and what it takes to do the job and do the job the right way. Back then, I was just scrambling and I got fortunate to get that story. But there's so much more to it. There's so much more involved. But that story always will hold a special place in my heart. And I appreciate Andrew Mason pointing it out, the 17th anniversary of a huge trade that resulted in a Hall of Famer being sent to Denver. All right, I want to thank my producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting together this podcast. I want to thank our guest this week, Tim Tebow, for sharing some of his time with us. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week. We have some very special guests lined up. We'll see whether they actually come through. We had a couple of guests this week, fell apart, never really know when you're putting together a podcast, if the guest is going to happen until he's on the line. Didn't happen this week. We're hoping it happens next week. I promise you, if it does, you will want to tune in. And until then, have a great week. Be well and stay safe.